Yo, what's good, everyone? Thank you for stepping to the Coach's Box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined today by Coach Murph, Coach Pace, and Coach Natty T. So we're going to dive right into things. A lot of playoff basketball being played and a lot of lessons learned. So we're going to start this first segment by talking about what are our takeaways from the playoffs so far, and Coach Pace is going to get us started. Go ahead, take it away, bro. All right, so I got I got about four or five takeaways, but I'm about to list them off real quick. So takeaway number one, Luca is top five in the NBA. You could argue top three. We could we could get into that. I mean, give or take, but Luca is top five in the NBA. It does not really matter what happens in this series, but my man is a hoop. All right. Um, Giannis is the best player in the world. I don't know why there's any other debate that people are trying to have. Mm-hmm. Um, what is oh, John Morant? My boy need to hit the weight room because if he don't hit the weight room, mm-hmm. his career is gonna be just like Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. That's fair because he's six three, but he's only like a buck sixty five soaking wet. So like that's that's not gonna get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last one. Uh, I mean, this ain't really nothing new. I leave this up to Coach Murph because it was, oh, this one. So Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. he's just like Kawhi Leonard, and what I mean by that is Jimmy cruises through the regular season, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, postseason, that's when he flipped the switch, which is good to see. Because I like players like that. They get better as the moment rises and stuff. Because it makes the playoffs a lot more interesting. Oh, and then Jason Tatum is like Paul George to me. He just needs to bring out the consistency. Because they bags is like – they bag offensive bags are like so crazy. He just got to get the defense up. But, yeah, those are my takeaways. Jason Tatum is like the next Paul George to me. I like that. Good takeaways. Good takeaways there. So, um, Coach Knight T, what are your takeaways? Well, no, I mean, I think uh, Coach Pace pretty much covered mostly everything. Um, I think I agree. I mean, Luca's Luca's top five. I mean, hands down. Um, Giannis is still the best player in the world. I agree with that. Um, I think what's what probably the most surprising thing for me has been Boston, actually, mm-hmm. just because. I'm just, I've been impressed by their approach. And I guess I'm probably most impressed with Ime Udoka. Because he's, you know, at the beginning of the season, it kind of took him a while to sort of get his influence and, you know, what he was preaching to the team for them to kind of go along with it. But, man, when they, when they play well, they're probably the best team in basketball. Probably. Probably. Um, but kind of to Coach Page's point, you know, sometimes they just get a little inconsistent. Yeah. And then sometimes you see them play a little lower than what they they should be playing at in terms mm-hmm. of the level. Um, trying to think. Oh, big other big takeaway, too, from a ratings perspective. This has been the highest rated playoff since 2019. Mm-hmm. And I find it very interesting because I looked into it. Partially, there's some LeBron fatigue. 
So like you can kind of, right, you know, decipher that as you will. Um, there's been more intrigue in players like Job, players like Luca, Jason Tatum, um, Giannis. There's been more intrigue with players like that. Um, and then also this year, probably the first year in what, maybe three or four years that you haven't had like a, I guess besides Chris Middleton, but really you haven't had like major injuries with yeah. star players. Like everybody's actually played. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, combination of all that, I think has been my biggest takeaway is that it seems as if, if they can continue the momentum on this, NBA is in good shape, even without LeBron, contrary to belief. So that's my takeaways. Excellent. Excellent. Coach Murph, what you got? One is all that super team superstar stuff is over with. It's all about depth now. I mean, you're seeing all these teams like, I mean, the Nets got bounced quick. Um you know, you got Luca, who, you know, fought his way in his position now, but it's literally just him. So you could see from game one that his demise is coming real soon. Um, I mean, with the Philly having, you know, thinking James Harden and MB to get it done, but uh, that wasn't able to happen because like now it's just like since teams are moving on because of depth, it gives you a lot more room for error. So if someone goes now, like if they had a lot of talks were happening about what PJ Tucker would mean for the Bucks this year with Middleton being down, because now you have, you know, another defensive threat that could, you know, take some of the, you know, work off of Giannis and stuff like that. So there's that. Uh, two is that it, it's, it's the young kids game now. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked moving forward that, you know, after this year, I wouldn't be shocked if you would never see a KD, a LeBron, uh, I mean, even, you know, Steph or, uh, I mean, Kawhi in the finals ever again. Because these teams that made it this year or even ones that, uh, you know, didn't make it, you can see them getting better. Um, so, you know, uh, those are some things. A- a- another thing, uh, just to touch on the, the Jimmy thing, because the Kawhi thing has been coming up a lot. <clears throat> um, I'm curious of what this does to his value because of during the regular season, since he just kind of does what he needs to do just to win and make the playoffs. But people still underrate him just because they'd be like, well, look at his stats in the regular season. But, like, everybody forgets the fact that when he was going toe-to-toe with Braun on offense and defense or he showing that now he has to go toe-to-toe against the Celtics because, I mean, in game two, nobody else showed up. So, um People talk about how much the playoffs matter, but when somebody just shows up in the playoffs, they still get overlooked. Like for Kawhi's case, it's different because he won um, twice, but like 
in the same breath, you know, some of the, you know, greats that never won a championship. Everybody talks about how they elevate their game from the regular season to the postseason. This is what Jimmy does. So I wonder how he will be viewed once his career is over. But, you know. Oh, and there's been just a whole lot of blowouts. Yeah. This year, I'm not a fan of. I know it's because of the three-point line and so on and so forth, because now a lot more people are perfecting it. But I, I don't like it. I do like that, you know, they're letting players play a bit more than what they have in the past. But, like, these blowouts just – I stopped watching the Heat game after halftime. I ain't even going to beat y'all. Mm-hmm. I ain't even going to beat y'all. I already saw the writing on the wall. So, Coach Murph, since you're the, the resident Heat fan on the panel here, mm-hmm. kind of going back to your Jeremy Butler, do you think um, that 2020 playoff run that he had, do you think the fact that it was in the bubble is part of, like, not to say his problem, but the fact that it happened in the bubble, it was just kind of unfortunate timing? Because I feel like people discredit the bubble mostly folks who try to discredit LeBron. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, when I was in a bubble, that's as an asterisk, it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Jimmy Butler, as you said, like, I mean, he pretty much won two games by himself. Yeah. You know, people are kind of overlooked that because it was the bubble years. Or do you think it's just him just purely just being overrated? Uh, yeah, I just I think he's just he's just underrated because even or if underrated, he, I should say my bad. Underrated. Yeah, nah, I know what you meant. Um, because of even people only bring up the bubble when it makes them sound right because of what he's doing now. Like when he dropped the 41 in game one against the Celtics, they're just like, oh, well, you know, when he was in the bubble, he did this, he did that. Nobody ever wants to talk about that unless they're trying to feel like they're behind Jimmy Butler. But forgetting the fact that when he was with Philly, he balled. When he was with uh, the Timberwolves, he balled, but it was his supporting cast that didn't show up, and this is why he was getting bounced. Like, they should have beat Toronto, but MB had a little tummy ache, and nobody else wanted to show up. So, <laughs> and then the shot happened. So, like, it's mm-hmm. like the, of course, the finals magnify everything, and plus, there was nothing won, so everybody was watching that, but. He showed it time and time again in the playoffs that he is a superstar, but nobody wants to claim it unless it's convenient. Like to me, he's a he's been a top five two-way player in the league, but nobody wants to to say that they, you know, of course they go to Kawhi, people talk Paul George, people talk uh Clay Thompson and you know, so on. So we're now Jason Tatum is being brought in the mix because of this you know, playoff stretch, but it's just like Jimmy has been doing this <laughs> for years now, but nobody says nothing about it. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I like y'all's takeaways. Uh, Coach Murph, I, I had that as one of my takeaways with, with the blowouts. Um, there's been, a, you know, several exciting games, but then like, especially these, the last round, how, how that ended, um, and then what we've seen so far in, in this, these conference finals, it's like, I and mean, we were talking about one of our group chats, it was like, because the NBA is dependent so much on the three-pointer, that when teams 
aren't making them, it's like they don't know how to score anymore. They don't know that there's other ways of getting a bucket. Uh, and so that's, I, I I wish that there was enough of a well-roundedness where it's like, all right, we ain't hitting them. Like, let's just go out and get a bucket. Uh, rewinding back to when Chris Paul and James Harden were playing together with Houston, Chris Paul was out, uh, but the Rockets were able to stay close to the Warriors throughout that whole game and were leading through parts of that stretch that last game but they could not make a three-point shot to save their life so they kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting the entire game and it's like bro you don't need the three-pointers you just need to get points right because if you're doing three-pointers what it, what are you doing is you're actually making it easy for the defense easier for the defense because i really don't have to guard you like if, if you're just going to throw up shots i'm not going to get into foul trouble that way Right. So you're not putting any pressure on me. So I'm like, I think it's actually smarter if you have a mix between that. Uh, and that's something that I, I do like about what Jimmy brings to Miami is that he's going to bring some of that mixture. You know, Bam is going to bring some of that mixture when Bam shows up. He's going to bring that mixture to, to that. Uh, so I, I wish teams were a little bit more balanced when if plan A isn't working, they have something to fall back on. And what we're seeing, I think, are teams are just they get a little lost and it's like, this is what we do. This is all I know how to do. I've been trying to do this and it's just not working. It's just not your night for that. Um, so that was one of the take the takeaways there. Uh, going back to the early rounds. All right. So some of you out there may be able to relate to this. So let's just say you have a best friend, right? Y'all tight. Y'all been, y'all been boys for years. Y'all been cool for years. Sometimes as much as y'all have in common and as much as y'all like each other, y'all shouldn't live together. You know, if y'all were roommates and all of a sudden you start noticing little stuff and it's like, man, that really irritates me. Right. I can't, how do I bring this up to, you know what? I ain't even going to bring that to That's what's happening in Brooklyn. Sometimes you just can't have your boy on the same team as you, right? You want that. Cause y'all boys, but sometimes it's not the best thing to actually live together. You're actually better off in your relationship if you were living apart. And I think that's what KD and Kyrie need to realize unless KD steps up and straight up addresses Kyrie. Cause he's not like a, he doesn't like that type of conflict, right? He likes social media conflict. There's a very little ramification to that. That's, that's, you know, that's a different story. But I, 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 would, I would rather see them apart. I think they would, it would be better for both of their careers if they were to do that. So that was one takeaway. The other takeaway is when people keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, you should probably believe them, right? So if you have someone that has built a habit of doing something or not doing something, that's probably who they are. And if they were to break that, maybe that's actually the outlier. So this is what I mean when I'm talking about James Harden. This is what I mean when I'm talking about Chris Paul, right? These players here, I'm looking at what pattern have they set up in their careers and why do we keep getting surprised by it? This is who they are, as good or as great as they as 
they are at their respective crafts, there's always a little thing that it's like, man, like you, something just happens when you get to this position, something just happens. You're like a beast the whole way through, but you get to a certain point and it's like, you can't climb the mountain anymore. And it sucks as a fan of some of these players that you're starting to see like, yo, they just, that's just them. They're probably never going to be able to make that if they're dependent upon in the same role. So you've seen a lot of players win late in their careers because it's like they don't have to carry the load because that's just not who they are when the time calls for it. But they could be a, a number two or two and a half and be just fine. Carmelo is the same way. Right? Carmelo is ultra talented, but he's not, he can't be your best player and get a championship. But he could be, at this point, it's great to be three, perhaps, and get you a championship. Uh, so those are, those are some of the takeaways. There are others. I don't know how hard I should be on people today. I'm in a good mood, so I don't want to be too hard on people. But I'll, I'll say this. What we've seen in these playoffs and people's lack of ability to get it done or sustain greatness makes me appreciate Jordan and LeBron and Magic and Larry and Tim Duncan and that those Spurs teams because it's hard. Like when you think somebody's got it in the bag, they fumble it something ha or something happens. They catch a bad break. Uh, so I, that's just something I've gained more respect for those people that I've watched grow up, growing up, you know, your Kobe's and Shaq's and stuff like that, to be able to maintain that greatness. And then lastly, my other takeaway is when you have chemistry, don't break it up, Philadelphia, or you'll end up with Tobias Harris. When you have something good, don't break it up. And when, when you reference this series, yeah, and, and B was, you know, something always happens with Embiid. But then you have the shot that Kawhi made. It was a game seven shot from the corner at the buzzer that hit the rim like 57 times and went in. And you take that and be like, ah, nah, we got, you know, let's go ahead and blow. We ain't going to pay Jimmy. We ain't going to, no. But what we saw is now you would much rather have Jimmy and Embiid then Harden and Embiid, or Tobias and Embiid. Imagine Jimmy Butler with that, with Tyrese Maxey and, uh, and, and the rest of the guys who, step, who did step up for Philadelphia. You would much rather have that now. How many times have we seen that in history? The Orlando Magic have seen that at least once when they didn't pay Shaq. And they had to wait till 2000, what was it, 2010 to get back to the finals to be relevant with Dwight Howard? Yeah. So imagine that. Took him over 10 years just to be relevant again. And there's always that argument of if Penny didn't have to carry the load and take that toll on his body, maybe his career would have been different, too. But that's that's kind of out there. But still, the team was better with both of them, you know, getting on a finding a way to work it out because Shaq later figured out how to do it with Kobe and they were able to get three out of it. And Orlando walked away with nothing. And my fear is that Philly is going to walk away with nothing from this whole process that we've been hearing about the last what, eight years. They really don't have much to show for. So I think 
Yeah, it, I think Embiid is the only one left from <laughs> from the process. <laughs> so, like, the the coach is gone. Ben is gone. Fultz is gone. Um, wasn't Okafor a part of that too? Oh, Jaleel Okafor. Yeah. yeah so, and I mean, he just didn't pan out. So it's like, but yeah, I, I, I second that. I can't. I mean, I still can't believe because he didn't want it to go. He didn't want to go. And then plus, a small part of me is like, if he was there. This whole Ben Simmons fiasco would have never happened because he would have just been there and been like, I mean, you saw how he was after game two and he sat there and then he said, no, nah, this isn't on Bam. This isn't on Hero. This is this is on me. Instead of, you know, having because I mean, he's just mature like that instead of having, you know, a, a Doc Rivers and MB like, oh, you know, it, it all happened at this point in time or, you know, I don't know if we could win with him being our point guard like yeah that one all you had to do was get rid of brett brown and move tobias harris because even though if you kept jimmy and it didn't pan out whatever contract you gave him he will be a lot easier to move than a 35 three and d guy mm-hmm. and tobias harris so i mean yeah i, I I even think about Oklahoma City. What if they paid James Harden and kept him, Durant, and Westbrook together? How would their careers be different? Now, we probably wouldn't know James Harden as the person that he is, you know, the MVP, James Harden. But imagine having that level of talent coming off your bench and eventually maybe into the starting lineup at some point. So I, they broke that up, and James hasn't been the same since because he took that hard. He took that personally. Um, KD and Russ didn't end up with anything out of that. They ended up on separate teams. Harden looking like he need to go back to being the sixth man behind Tyrese Maxey. So, (laughs) (laughs) when a rookie is getting mad, I mean, not a rookie, second year player is is coming at you multiple times in the playoffs. Yeah, you know it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Um, So yeah, I think those are great takeaways. yeah, was the playoffs have been pretty exciting. So we're in the conference round now. And so I'm going to toss it over to Coach Murph uh, to talk about the uh, the Heat Celtics series. Where are you seeing so far? Where do you see this going? Um, originally, I said Heat in six. I'm going I'm to go Heat in seven. I, I still believe in the Heat. I think everybody's blowing game two out of proportion. Because, um, like, yes – uh that they say you know a a series doesn't really start until a home team loses and then it's like oh they got blow blown out and so on and so forth but they shot 50 percent from three like they shot 20 for 40 from three like there's like the odds of that happening again or happening in the game are very slim for everybody to be hot like that so it's just they got out shy and Jimmy said it. He said, you know, when they're not making shots, people don't, you know, people start to lack on defense. It also depends on, you know, cause PJ Tucker is getting an MRI. So hopefully they still have him because if you don't, then you basically force Jimmy to guard Tatum instead of uh, Brown. And then it's like, who do you put on Brown? So, because, um, I mean, I guess that you would go Victor Oladipo, but I don't think you really want to play him and Jimmy at the same time 
on the court just because of, I mean, their gains, but they need to start giving Duncan Robinson PT. Like there was no reason for him not to be in the game. Like if they, if Hero's not getting it done, what if y'all count Peyton Pritchard as a liability on on the defense, and y'all just have Jimmy or whoever attack him whenever Peyton Pritchard is out there because he was lighting y'all up too. Bring in Duncan Robinson, and then you just have to learn to play help defense just as good as Boston does when Peyton Pritchard is out there. Just have him X somebody out because Hero ain't hitting from three like that. He, he's been struggling. Bam's been struggling. And this is the whole because I've been saying this. I, I love Bam, but he just needs to play like power forward. And y'all need like a legit center. Nothing crazy. Just, a, you know, an athletic big that could just get boards and and rim protect because you're six, nine, six, ten playing center. Like, no, that's not going to work. I mean, because you saw in game one that Williams was giving him the business because he got him by like a whole foot. It, it looked like a kid down there. Yeah. <laughs> he would literally toss it up to him, boom, toss it up to him, boom. Like they were just lobbing him to death. So, uh, but I mean, credit to, to Boston. They got punched in the mouth game one and came back. I mean, they're known for this. Um, I think they um, are like, nine and one when it comes to you know coming off of a loss and winning but in the playoffs they're undefeated when they lose they always come back and win so uh, I think they'll split in Boston and then we'll we'll see where the cars lay from there but Jimmy needs to be aggressive sooner he tries to do that lebron route where like i'm gonna try to get everybody else involved and then he'll try to kick it up in the second quarter but put your foot on their necks and keep it there yeah i agree with that that because with to your point earlier you said that their offense drives their defense so if jimmy is trying to get everyone involved and people aren't hitting they're also giving up a bunch of points on the other end. And so now they have to dig themselves out of this hole. But if Jimmy's aggressive, at least enough to get them respectable, and they start playing better defense, they get hyped up and motivated to do that, then they'll they'll be in better position, you know, at the end of the game where he doesn't maybe doesn't even have to do as much in the fourth quarter if he doesn't want to, you know. And that's why I kind of I hate it when he has big games like he does in game one because he always goes up on the podium and be like, you know, yeah, I had to do that. But, you know, I hope like next game it's Hero or next game is Gabe Vincent or so on and so forth. And then he goes out next game and plays like that. Like, no, I'm going to play so somebody else can like, no, this is you. Mm -hmm. You handle that. And I think I know Spo tells him time for time, like you gotta take over, you gotta take over. But I need like UD <laughs> needs to snatch him by his jersey and be like, if you don't take over this game, like that's all you need to do. Just go they will come along if they come along. But if not, because at the end of the day, if Hero and Belm don't show up, they're not blaming them. 
Right. They're going to blame you for waiting. So like you drop 29 at the end of the game an efficient 29. And he always like to do all the little other stuff, which you can do, but you should have had like 29 in the first three quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there was no, from that aerial assault of them, I think like nine for 12 or something in the first quarter at that point in time, I don't care who comes along with me, but I ain't waiting. Right. You can't wait till you're down like 27 to turn it on. Yeah. Like you can't, you Much. can't expect to come back every time. Like sometimes you just got to get the lead because y'all played well for like the first five minutes. <laughs> mm. And then y'all just was like, to the hell with it. Yeah. But yeah, he just needs to, you're the best player on the team. You know you're the best player on the team. Everybody knows that. You're, you know, arguably the best player on the court. You know, it's between you and Tatum. Um, overall, I would say Jimmy because he's a better defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Tatum is it, but it's all back and forth because just as good as a defender he is, um, then Tatum. Tatum is just as good as him on offense, so it kind of like balances each other out. But you're under man, no Kyle Lowry, possibly no PJ. Mm-hmm. Hero's not showing up, Bam not showing up. It's on you. It's on you. Uh, Coach Pace, let's get you in here. What are your thoughts about the Heat Celtics series? Um, I'm I mean, honestly, I just like watching it. I like watching Tatum. Um, I was a little shocked that they blew him out second game, too. Um, can we stop like bringing Kyle Lowry in any discussion? Listen, I'm not, I'm, not to, I'm not doing this no more. Kyle, did I show y'all? Kyle Lowry is averaging six points, three is I don't know what he's doing. It's six. Listen, he's playing worse than Draymond, okay? And Draymond don't shoot, mm-hmm. okay? I don't want to hear nothing about Kyle Lowry ever again. <laughs> ever. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of it. There's no – everybody talking about Kyle Lowry need to come back. Come back for what? To get you – Measly points? No, because he's a floor general. If you check the numbers, Bam plays better with Kyle Lowry on the court because he's a legit point guard. Gabe Vincent no, is not Bam, a point guard. Jimmy Butler is all dominant. Bam just need to be able to play better. Period. I don't give a Kyle Lowry. No, show up. This no, it's just like it's just it's just like game one with Jason Tatum. Like he played well in both games. But he looked better in game two when Marcus Smart came back to run the offense. That's just all it is. Kyle Lowry just be out there. <laughs> Say it. Just be out there. You're not going to get a good word uh, from me about Kyle Lowry. I'm going to tell you now. He could drop 40 when he comes back. And guess what? I'm be like, hey, should have came back sooner and dropped a couple more 40 balls. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't stand Kyle Lowry. Pit bull. Like, dude. He built like a turd. But anyway, you know what? <laughs> anyway, but no, I just I, – I'm cool with it. I, li- I like the way everything is going. You know, Jimmy – I agree with Coach Murph, man. Jimmy, Jimmy – if I see – if I see Jimmy do that, I don't know. I just couldn't stand the quote he said. He said, I hope it's somebody else. I'm like, dude, ain't nobody, ain't nobody got time for that, dude. I just – when he starts saying stuff like that, I'll be wanting to smack him in his face because I'm like, dude, you <laughs> Why are we – I wanted to be hero, bro. Heroes worried about going clubbing and playing switch or whatever he does at 4 a.m. Like, give me, 
no, this is your team. You need to drop 40 every game, point blank, period. Yeah, also win or lose, like if they win this series or win the fi- uh, the finals or lose, whatever, you have to trade Duncan Robinson or do a signing trade with Hero or both and get you a designated scorer. Th- that's all they really need is somebody that's a cons- like a Bradley Bill. I mean, hell, even if you go get like a, a Donovan Mitchell, he'll probably – Somebody that's not going to be scared to take shots mm-hmm. or just look around and like nine times out of 10 is going to make that just, you just need a bucket, a star. That's a bucket. Cause I mean, Jimmy could be that, but he doesn't play like he wants to be. He just wants to, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you need a guy that does all the little things and show up, but you need somebody that's just like, nah, the ball can be in my hand. Just like Tyler hero. He, is the sixth man, but he averages the most shots on the team. Give that to a star that's going to be a starter and actually hit those shots when it matters. Because he these last two playoff runs, he's been very underwhelming. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Coach Knight, he he Celtics. Yeah, I mean, um, I. Personally, would like to see the Heat win. I, you know, I've always liked Miami. I like how, you know, the organization is run from Pat Riley down. Um, always like Jimmy Butler. You know, his style of play, his whole approach to the game. But my head is saying something else because <laughs> what I'm looking at it, um, I think Boston is better all around. Um, and I actually disagree with you guys on, on Miami. I think I think their defense actually fuels their offense because I think because their you know their defensive side is is their better is, is more of their strength. Yeah, no, that's even in like uh, yeah, I mean because I think even in the early rounds and obviously you know they were playing Atlanta and in my opinion they were playing five on floor against Philly because James Harden was he might as well not have been out there. So you're basically <laughs> playing five on four. <laughs> Um, but watching those series, there's times where like on offense, like it, like it's hard for them to score. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, but they get a couple steals, you know, get a couple charges and then things kind of get going. Um, and I think what, at least, and to y'all's point, like the game two was a bit, you know, when you hit 50% of your threes, I mean, that's game. Just move on to the next game. <laughs> but I think you even saw it in the first half, in the first game, I should say, um, when, the way Boston came out in the first half, you kind of saw some of the same things that Miami was doing in the first two series. They're struggling to score. They have like these stretches where they just can't really score. Um, Boston was doing their thing. But then in the third quarter, they turned it up on defense. And then it just fueled their offense. Um but I think we already talked about Kyle Lowry, but <clears throat> PJ Tucker's 37 years old, man. If he's getting an M- MRI, like mm-hmm. even if he can play, like you're not whatever best effort he has left, we're not going to see it. So I just think, unfortunately, for Miami, the their depth conversation with them is just not where it's supposed to be, especially when you're going up against a team like Boston that has depth. 
Yeah. Um, Cause I think what the unique thing about Boston is they don't really need Jason Tatum to be a superstar for them to win a game or two mm-hmm. in this series. Like I think Jason Tatum's situation is unique because when he has those games, it's kind of more of a benefit for him individually because people are like, oh, he's a superstar now. But he can still have a game where he scores like 19-20 and Boston can still win. Um, so I think that's kind of the more dangerous thing about Boston as opposed to Miami. Because to your to y'all's point, Jimmy Butler has to be minimum you know, 28, 29, 30 minimum. Like if he, if he has a 20 point game, like they're done, they're losing. Like it's, yeah. it's so that's kind of the, the, the issue with, with Miami. I think, I just, I think they're just, they're just running up against a team right now that just has, has depth. They have a little, they're a little bit younger. Mm. Um, and they're just, they're playing well at the right time right now. So I think there's just, we'll see how the injuries go, but right now it's looking like Boston's going to take it. But to your point, we'll see what happens game three. I don't, I don't expect Boston to shoot like they did in game two. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but that's my overall thoughts on the series. But I, but I'll tell you, Ime Udoka, man, that dude, I like him. Like yeah. him a lot, because I like how I like his vibe on the bench. And to Boston's credit, their players like because he I've watched on timeouts like he goes at them. Like he'll yeah. Yeah. he's coaching them, yeah. and they're like receptive to what he's saying. So I'm like, you know what? I I can't be mad at that. That's good, because you know certain people don't like to be coached. <laughs> I knew he was going to go there. I'm, you know, I was about to follow up and be like, oh, so coaching does matter. You know, I, I'm not going to name any names, but certain people think you don't need a coach, that you can coach yourself. But, you know, I don't know. If you had a good coach, you get swept. <laughs> so that's my final note on that. Yeah, I don't have too much to add um, to this. I think y'all did a great job of covering what's happening so far, what needs to happen. People are going to be successful. Uh, I look at it uh, in terms of – I. I'm a little disappointed and not a lot of people are drawing attention to this aspect. I'm disappointed in the coaching in Miami. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Eric Spolstra. I think he's one of the best, but I noticed that the in-game adjustments aren't effective. Boston came and made adjustments and we'll see what happens in game three. If, you know, they prep it and come out with, with that. But when we talk about in games, sometimes I, I'm leaving scratching my head a little bit. Quick question or follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's purely bad decision making in terms of lack of adjustments or is it personnel? Right. Because the first people... point, because you, you talked about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, but I think when those two are playing, that's their best offensive unit. Mm. But you lose a lot defensively. Yeah. So you think that it's like 
they need some yeah. more kind of like versatile younger legs there? Or do you think it's just straight up? Spolstra was like, man, I don't know what he's doing. Because I, he I said, think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned that, like he, there's things that, like, I'm just thinking about game two since they were getting blown out early. It's just try stuff out at that point. But at the end of the day, Boston is just a deeper team. They're a younger team. So it's a lot easier to make an in-game adjustments against Miami because it's just like, oh, damn, and hero ain't on anything. Let's do this to Jimmy and you're good. Mm-hmm. Whereas Spoh has got to be like, okay, well, you have to do this to Tatum and then keep your eye on Smart here and then look at uh, Jalen Brown over here. Oh, Al Horford uh and williams is bigger than bam so you got to make sure you have to come swipe down and you know try to attack the ball to assist him so they don't go up like and then the rotate you got you know grant williams so like the rotation just goes 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 and you don't have enough defenders for that you got an old pj tucker you got bam but he's undersized you got jimmy butler that's a great defender hero can't defend duncan can't defend Victor Oladipo can defend, but he doesn't play as much and you can't really play him with Jimmy. So there's just like, it, it's, it's more of a chess game for Spo than it is for for uh, yeah. Doka. So. Okay, this might be an unpopular idea, opinion, but I think Miami needs to play faster because if they have a half-court offense and you give a good defensive team time to set up their defense, they're more athletic than you and they're bigger than you. You need to find a way to neutralize that. And that's to get off your offense quicker, get down the floor quicker, get your shots up quicker, but make them good shots, of course. I would like to see if they were to try to do that. I know that because that would enable you to utilize your the younger side of your talent a little bit more. Uh, because they don't have the same luxuries as Boston has uh, that you have outlined. But I think there's times where you just, you you have a matchup and it's like, we can't do what we did all season to get here, to get past here. So we're going to have to try something a little different, even if that's outside of our comfort zones. Because, I mean, doing what we're doing, we're going to take an L anyway. So we might as well try to switch it up and see what happens and make them have to adjust to us. And I think Boston's real comfortable right now. They're really comfortable. They they can anticipate what Miami's going to do. They understand their rotations, and they have the ability to adjust in game and throw a lot of bodies at people. Miami doesn't have that luxury. So I would like to see them get up and down the floor a little bit more, a little bit quicker, uh, to see if that helps neutralize some of Boston's size. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, at the like that. At this point, they just need to try anything <laughs> just to just to switch it up. But then also you have to factor in that these past two games outside of Jimmy Butler, and then of course, you know, Gabe, you had a Gabe Vincing siding uh, in game one, but outside of that, nobody's hitting shots. Like they're wide open and missing shots. <laughs> Hero will pull up wide open, come off a screen and miss. Yeah. Victor Oladipo missing. Bam struggling down low and really not getting too many looks down there because of he's just hidden in the trees of the bigs down there so it's like you, you got to hit shots I mean you play faster or, or not if you're not hitting you're not hitting so 
hopefully they get out of this little funk and, you know, Jimmy just does what he needs to do and not what he thinks he needs to do. And I think they need to play um, – um, gosh, his name just – you just you just talked – Bam. I think they need to play Bam a little bit further away from the basket because what, what, what is happening is that you're not getting a lot of second chance mm-hmm. points because – Horford's down there, you know, when Ticey's in the game in there, both of the Williams Williams are down there. But if Bam, he's good enough that he could take him out, at least in the upper mid-range. He don't have to be on the three-point line. But he's more athletic than Al Horford. He's more athletic than Grant Williams. So if you allow him to kind of play on the perimeter and face up defenders and do some dribble moves to get around them, do that. And also that takes the bigs from the basket. So slashers like Jimmy and Oladipo can get to the basket a little bit easier. And what what happens then is when people start diving to the basket, the defense has to get tight. When the defense gets tight, now they're leaving the perimeter open. So now you have some some more looks for for Hero and Duncan Robinson and folks like that, uh, Vincent. So I don't know. It's worth a shot at this point. I think. No, for sure, because I they definitely struggle to utilize his his mid range shooting because he can shoot mid range shots, yes. but they always have him under the basket. But yeah, I mean, so. it's it's interesting. I mean, I think that's a valid point, Push JP three. Because I was just I pulled up the box score because it's very interesting because they actually. I mean, it was only by one, but they actually out rebounded Boston. They had 42 rebounds, Boston had 41. It just it really came down to the threes because Boston goes 20 for 40. Miami goes 10 for 34. Mm. I mean, Boston goes 21 for 23 from the free throw line, 91%. Miami is 16 for 22, 72%. Mm. I mean, that's your game right there. That's literally the game right there. So um you know, I think game, game three would be interesting because, like, you know, like you said, because that that's such a what that's happened what only like fourteen times in NBA history, playoff history, where you hit fifty percent of your threes as a team. So I mean, I think if you're my, I said this in our other group chat. I think if you're Miami, you just have to have the mindset of like, look, man, they were hot from three in game two. Like you just got to just kind of just move on to game three and hunker just kind of go back to your identity of, as far as being like a hard-nosed defensive team and just make it difficult for them and let that fool your offense and, and like you said coach Jake three like that that leads to fast breaks and playing a little faster so um you know we'll see we'll see what happens but either way I mean I'm not even if Boston wins like it's still gonna be a long series because Miami don't have no pumpkin and they ain't just going out they ain't gonna get like have no gentleman sweep or whatever you want to call it. Like that ain't happening. Yeah, no, that, I think it'll be a long series for sure. You're on mute. So we have another series at play um, <laughs> that didn't go the Mavericks way. Another blowout, uh, one of those. So do, and we'll start. Uh, with with Coach Knighty on this one, do you think uh, this is how the series is going to go, or do you see Dallas rebounding at some point in the series? Um, so <laughs> in our earlier group chat, Coach JP three, go laugh. So 
I woke up one morning. I said, you know what? I slept on it. I just said, F it. I'm going with my rooting interest. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the Mavs. And I want to see Miami go to the finals. Now, um, the non-rooting uh, interest self in me says the Warriors will probably win this series. But the game won as much as the Warriors blew them out. Was I surprised? No. I mean, it's the Warriors. They're the higher seed. There's a better overall team. Like, you got to come out game one and make that statement. So, you know, from a Dallas perspective, I don't think there's really nothing to be distraught about or to be down and out about. I mean, you know, it it is what it is. Um, Right now, they're looking pretty good, though, Dallas. Um. And I think if you look at what they've kind of what's been their identity through this whole postseason is they've been able to make adjustments. We talked about that with the last series. Jason Kidd has done a fantastic job. Yes, he has. Um, so, you know, so far right now, it looks like they're they're doing pretty well. Um, they've made some adjustments. I think I'm not really worried about Luca because he's going to he's going to do his thing. I know he had the only the, the 20 point game um, and I was crazy that that's his worst playoff game of his career was scored 20 points yeah and he's only 23 <laughs> which is that's that's otherworldly within itself but um i think the the mavs have to win tonight if they have if they want to have a chance of winning this series i'm not saying if they lose tonight like the series is over like in terms of it being a sweep or it being five games. I think they do need to win tonight to get it to six or seven games for sure. Um, I don't know if the Warriors at this point, if they go up 0-2, I don't see them losing that lead. I would see, I think that would be like a, you know, Warriors in six type of situation. Okay. Okay. But if Dallas wins tonight, listen, I look at game seven. I don't want no parts of that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want no parts of that if I'm Golden State. Um, So it'll be interesting. And and I think for for obviously for uh, the Mavericks standpoint, it's going to come down to the others. You know, the adjustments, Spencer Dinwiddie, Brunson, like, can they give you some sort of consistent offensive output? Can they still maintain that energy that they had on defense against the Suns after the first two games, I should say? Um, To me, that's what it's going to come down to, Um, because you know pretty much what you're going to get from the Warriors. They've done a good job kind of rebuilding this new regime, if you will, because they have a mix of, you know, like the Stuffs, the Clays, the Draymonds, the obviously Iggy's not playing but you know like veteran players and you have younger wing type players as well similar to Boston so they have a good mix of 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 experience and youth um and they're deep as well so you know what you're going to pretty much get from them um so that's kind of where I'm at right now with this series Uh, I really I really think tonight's game is is going to be key to how you know the series will go yeah, um, for me. they got they got to prove that they can win in Golden State. They got they got to prove that they go in there because absolutely, yeah. And I mean, 
I don't doubt that they can. It's just they got to come together and do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a different beast that they're playing, and because of that, you're dealing with a team. Yes, Phoenix went to the finals last year. Yeah, you know, and they brought back you know pretty much everybody. But it's 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 different when you have someone that has not only been to the top of the mountain, but conquered that several times. And that nucleus is still there. Plus they got younger with talent that has been playing very well. It's like, you're not going to intimidate them at all. If they lose, it's because they're beating themselves and they'll sometimes get careless with the basketball. Um, but this is a team that never feels like they're ever out of the game. And this is what this is what worries me is because that game seven Luca against Phoenix, I don't Phoenix kind of got intimidated and was like, oh well, man, I don't think we could do anything with this dude. You, wait, you, you don't think Luca is capable of doing that in a game seven? His his production, yes. The outcome of the game, no. That's what I'm worried about. Because I think Golden State's gonna be like. Oh, okay. We may not be able to stop you, but you're not going to be able to stop us either. And we just going to see who the last person standing is. I think their mentality is different than Phoenix. Phoenix kind of gave up in the first half. Like they gave up in the first half. You know, I don't see Golden State giving, you know, throwing in the towel like that. No, no, absolutely not. But in terms of like winning a game seven, because remember now, we've seen them lose a game seven before at home. Now, of course, that was arguably one of the goats yes on that team but still like you don't think in a situation like this the pressure is on the warriors to win because because the Mavs, them just making it here is they're kind of playing with That's house money yes yes so like you know if, if the game is tight i mean i don't know man when they're a win on a game seven before i don't know it's it's possible. I think any. I mean, this proof the playoffs have proven anything to us. Anything is possible. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect Phoenix getting blown out like that. Well, and, no, no, and no, no. Nobody court, especially. No. Nah. So anything can happen. I I just there's just something going on with the Warriors that I think that they they have a mentality like all right, we, we're going to stop playing with our food now because when they do, they lose. And, and and then they start making a bunch of mistakes. Um, they're the team that had, yes, the pressure is on them, but they are the ones that have something to prove. And that could be used as motivation because their success was like, oh, well, KD was the one that got the finals MVP. I mean, y'all got y'all beat up on a, a injured Cleveland team and then you lost a 3-1 lead. And then Kevin Durant comes and secures a deal for you for two years. And then when he gets hurt, y'all y'all lost that against Toronto, against Kawhi, and you haven't been back since. So if I'm Steph, Clay, and Draymond, I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we got to go ahead and do this. Because they know that their window isn't as open as it used to be a couple years ago. Right? There's a mortality that comes with greatness. So I think that is going to prevail, and, and Dallas doesn't have that type of motivation. They're just like, hey, we just going to ball out and see if we can knock these dudes off. So I, I think that's going to be the deciding factor in this series. Because that there's legacies on the line on, on Golden State side, as we talked a little bit about last week. 
but Coach Pace, what are you thinking about this series? Um, I don't really have. I'm pro Luca, so I'm gonna just <laughs> pro Luca. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say, but I'm just pro Luca. I, I I like the Warriors. I mean, I have an appreciation for the Warriors. I'll say that. The only thing I can't stand is watching Draymond Green <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I can't stand a man that still refuses to shoot when they are eight feet off of you. I will keep saying this every week until <laughs> he starts shooting. It drives me insane. I just want my man to shoot. That's really all I ask. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with him, bro. Like when you pointed that out a few weeks ago, I was like, you're absolutely right. I got nothing for you. I don't. I don't know what is in his mind or what's going on. But yeah, Charles Barkley even made fun of you in that. He said, "Draymond, why are you, why are you shooting and warm us when you don't shoot in the game?" <laughs> he said, "Just in case I need to, Chuck. Like <laughs> you need to when you're open, dude. Like what? It, yeah. Because that actually makes them better. Because like now they got they got D up on them, and that leaves lanes open with with Steph running all around the court. That leaves space for him open with Clay moving around. Just him being able to get up shots and look somewhat dangerous is is going to be is going to help make the the team's job easier. You would think with basketball IQ as high as his is, yes, you know this, yes, but he doesn't. If Grant Williams can get out there and shoot 18 threes in one game, Draymond can at least give us a couple. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with him, man. Send him to TNT where he's supposed to be. <laughs> if you ain't going to shoot, you ain't going to play basketball, at least you can talk about basketball. Yeah. yeah that, that series is – it's going to be interesting. I don't know. Like, the the war, as much as, like, people are loving the Warriors right now, I really don't think they've been as impressive as people think throughout the whole playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I'm expecting some duds from Clay and Steph, you know, along the way. Because, I mean, to be honest, if Ja didn't go down, I when I was seeing Memphis take take the Warriors out. And even though, uh, you know, Memphis is a better all-around team mm. than um, the Mavs, Luka is special. <laughs> yeah, that, that boy good. He is good. So, um, I, and I feel like that carries a lot of the weight that Memphis couldn't do. So, I mean, he, he took out the, the number one seed pretty much by himself. So um, I want the Mavericks to win. I still think Golden State will find a way to win somehow, some way um, in six. But then at this point, I'm just kind of like, what is this year's finals? It's going to be a little bit weird because like if, 
Golden State makes it, I think I would rather see, you know, just from a fan perspective, I would rather them play the Celtics. Me too. Um, I feel like Celtics versus Mavs will, I think that will kind of be a beat down. I feel like that would be a little bit too much for Luka to overcome Mm -hmm. just for how deep that team is. And then, I mean, I told you, uh, you know, before, like when we were talking about like teams that we would rather see the championship when it started and they were like number two for me because of, I was going strictly off of their journey of you start off facing the, the best scoring duo ever in four and you follow that up by taking out the defending champ, <laughs> taking out the defending champ, and then you follow that up by taking out the number one seed to make it to the final. So I just feel like that journey alone is just like amazing. But then if Miami were to make it, <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't, I don't care or prefer who they play. I don't think it'd be like, fireworks i mean it would just be like miami and it's it's the least sexiest of the teams because they don't have a a stephan clay or a luca or a you know jason tatum and you know Jalen brown is jimmy butler <laughs> yeah i'd rather <laughs> see him play dallas i that's yeah. a way better matchup well i feel like it'd be a better matchup but then again i'm like is it really I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. None of the, cause their play style is unique, you know, cause it's more of like a nineties type play style of, you know, defense and so on and so forth where all of these other teams are just like aerial assault. So, I mean, the, the Celtics are like that too, like uh, Miami, but it's just that they're, their offensive, you know, arsenal is just run so deep that you really don't think too much about their defense because of their ability to put up points. Mm. But they are one of the best. I think they're like the best defensive team in the league. So um, I don't know, man. I, the, the finals is going to be some, and then it's going to be strange if, you know, Golden State doesn't make it because it's kind of like, all right, you have like nobody with recent history yes in the finals it's just like okay the Mavs are there but they haven't been there since Dirk and then you got the Celtics that's there that haven't been there since Paul Pierce uh Garnett and Rondo mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ray Allen so yeah. like question do you think if Mavs can make it to the finals you think instantly Luca becomes the face of the NBA only if they play the Celtics and he gets busy on Tatum and them. But outside of that, I feel like right now they will probably push Tatum more so than Luka just because I think Tatum is a more likable player than Luka is. And then also, I mean – foreign players are taking over the NBA. So they'll probably try to push the agenda and have an American player be the face. 
So I feel like it'd be more so Jason Tatum. But if Luca make it and then he faces Miami, then yeah, like you literally can't. I mean, anything. go ahead, Coach Pace. I think we might be thinking the same thing. So, do y'all mean like? And it's not to like belabor a point, but like, what do y'all mean by face of the league? Because is LeBron James retiring? Because I feel like that's a, like like we all. I mean, granted, he's not in the playoffs, but it's like every year, the top story is like, all right, what's LeBron gonna do this year? Like, yeah, it's Lucas, all them, but I feel like in order for there to be a new face, like even though Greek Freak is the best player in the world, the number one guy is LeBron. So I feel like until he retires, are we really going to, like, he got to pass the torch, put it like that. That's what I mean. He got to pass the torch. I don't know if he passed the torch yet. Yeah, I, I think since his run has been so, like, you know, uh, unicorn-esque, <laughs> you never seen it before. Um, they just kind of, I think there's nothing he can do really to, to the, to the public eye. It's just kind of like, okay, you're cemented as, you know, a lot of people's number one or number two ever in the game. And you have all the, you know, everybody's looking for that new, that new young thing. So it's just kind of, it's just one of those things. So like, I think everybody will acknowledge like what the human brain would and actually watches the game. They'll acknowledge like, yes, Brian is the best player uh, or one of the best players. But when it comes to face, they're just looking for that new thing. Cause you're expecting him to be out in like the next two years. So it's like, what's next? I still think there's, I don't think it matters who wins really. I mean, because are they really going to put launch a new winner, a new person over Giannis already? If he's the best player in the in the league, and he has an excuse because people are like, "Well, he didn't have Middleton, so that's that's that you know that hurt him." Then will they put somebody above him automatically like that? Yeah, yeah, they're not even trying to say he's the best player now. Yep. Exactly. Everybody, everybody is Luka and, and Tatum crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I, I believe during that series against the Bucks that Tatum had like one dud of the game, maybe two, where Giannis literally had little to no room for mistakes. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows how deep the Celtics team is and how well coached they are. And it's just like, I mean, no, nobody looks at Bootenhoser as a good coach. like he's just he's just there so it's like the cards were stacked against Giannis he pushed it to a game seven and then it it just didn't go his way like and then I know yes it was a blowout but like you can even see the difference of everybody ran into Kevin Durant's defense last year's like oh his toe was just on the line he did this this and that Giannis went through the same thing and nobody's saying it's old, oh, you know, Tatum and the Celtics Tatum is like the guy without Middleton too. Yeah. W- without Middleton and, you know, Drew holiday. I mean, you might as well say without him too. He, he wasn't on nothing. So it's like, 
just like how KD had Harden, but he was on nothing. So, but nobody says nothing about that. It's just like, oh, the Celtics, the Celtics. Giannis beats, you know, goes toe to toe in in Brooklyn against Durant and beat him. But they want to talk about his toes on the line and he was tired in OT. So to answer your question, Coach Pace, I think, um, and when we mean they, you know, for the listeners, we mean just the media conglomerate. And y'all know the suspects that we're talking about. Um, (laughs) If Luca wins, I just have a hunch. Like, let's say they go on and win the championship this year at 23. And remember now, he is international, but he's white. That's, we can't we can't overlook that. Yeah. I think you're going to see a concerted effort to push Luca, and I think to answer to answer your second question, Coach Bates, about LeBron James, yeah, we've had these conversations in the past. Like I can remember even you know Steph, even KD, uh, Kawhi. The difference is, I think they weren't able to sustain it. They had it for like that one year. I think Steph was probably the closest, but when you had when when Kevin Durant went there and won the Finals MVP, it just kind of blurries the lines a little bit. But say if that was Steph that won those back-to-back MVPs, I think it's just an unfortunate aspect of the society that we're in today. Because, like for example, I know Coach Murphy's probably not going to like this example because I know he hates Tom Brady. But <laughs> when Tom Brady was retired for thirty seconds. They was talking about Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow's the next Tom Brady. Like they already, they was already like pushing Tom Brady like out the door already. <laughs> In terms of just how the energy and just the constant talk. So I feel like if Luca were able to win this year, and think about the run that he would have went on. Like obviously the the first series he played trash Utah, so whatever. But you have the epic game seven. And if he was to knock out the Warriors, and if he wins the championship with no other all-star, and he's 23, man, I, I tell you, if he wins the championship, it's 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 a game changer. And I think you he'll be in that next, like, you're gonna see haters start coming out of nowhere. Man, I can't stand Luca. <laughs> but that's but at the same time, and um, you know, Coach K. You know, he's not on the show today, but he said this in one of our, our group chats, uh, Coach JP3, to remember, because he said, trash breeds popularity. What he meant by that, too, was negativity breeds popularity as well. True. Because as many people that love LeBron, there's as much haters for LeBron, yeah. but that adds to popularity. Right. That's right. So I feel like you can just cue Luca up right in that next slot because he has those elements he has he can hoop he complains to the ref he kind of flops a little bit and there's people that hate that and if he were to win the championship this year and with that energy he would get he would have to sustain it but i think he would be right i think you're looking at lucas world if he were to win because you would have the the hate would be there and the love would be there (laughs) <laughs> they're already that's just thinking. that's just they're that, already that's, how, that's how i think about it the the hate train is is warming up 
already it is they're like oh you know he flops too much and but listen he, he's laughing at the phoenix suns as he walks listen down. the team he's playing against is a perfect example because remember when the warriors were when they had mark jackson you remember when they were coming up and they're like man that warrior seems kind of nice i like how they play yes as soon as they won man i can't stand the warriors man yeah. <laughs> you start hearing that comment as much as man Steph's the best player i've ever seen he's changed the game you, you hear the same, almost the equal amount of commentary. So I feel like Luca would get that. And I think that's the actual key to being the face in the league, to being the face of the league in today's world. Because you almost have to have as much negativity as positivity, which is crazy to say, but I feel like that's, like that's the key. And you have to exhibit some sort of energy or it has to be something about you that is used like that polarizing emotion out of people and i think luca does <laughs> true that's very true man i it, that's what makes this so exciting is because it's like man like what's going to be the narrative like what's going on like, like oh yeah yeah like i'm that, telling you if, if luca wins this junk mark my words i guarantee you next year he's going to be probably the most loved and most hated player in the nba and then he's your face right there. Yeah, I man, there's just so much that's up for grabs right now, you know, which are usual suspects kind of out of the way. Uh, Golden State, because you talked about it, like people couldn't stand them. I don't hear as much hate about them now because they've been out of the limelight for a few years and KD's but, gone. But- yeah. Let them win this year too again. Watch. It'll oh, be right it's back. Gonna, it's it's going to be right. It's going to be right. It's going to be 2016, 2015 all over again. Watch. And I am guilty. I'm guilty of that myself because, yep. and I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. So that was, that fed into it too. I was like, man, they keep beating this dude. Like, man, like, you know, uh, I wanted him to succeed as much as possible. Uh, and then when KD left, because I, you know, I was rooting for the Raptors because it, it was, it was your wedding time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach Natty T, we were there at, at the resort watching it, and there was a whole bunch of Raptor fans in there, and I was root right right there with the rooting for the Raptors. And then KD leaves, and I'm like, oh, you know, Steph gets hurt, you know, Clay's recovering. Oh, man, I you know, I like to see them get, you know, I don't want to see them like that. And then I'm like, okay, with KD going, they're, they're a more likable team, in my opinion. So I'm like, all right, I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, in the finals. If they win it all, that's fine. You know, of course, I was rooting for Memphis, but I that that hostility, that tension is not there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but yes, if they win this year, oh yeah, people are gonna be. They're gonna oh, be, they're gonna I'm be. telling you, it's gonna be it's gonna be 2015 all over again. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that that's just really interesting. You know, there, there's a lot of young talent as we described, and, and there's a chance for them to really capitalize on this this window here uh because you don't know what the future is going to hold so it's like you got to grab your opportunity while it's there um but yeah more to come on that we'll see what happens uh, if if Dallas can get a game in Golden State you know we'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see um now because the NBA is full of drama and so so is the NCAA and as y'all know yeah, you know, the 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 Godfather himself, Nick Saban, decided to go ahead and share some words about the NIL and how Texas A&M and Jackson State University, uh, you know, they're paying their players and 
because of that, it's, it's just making it so hard for us to recruit. Now, people took this a lot of different directions. For those of you that haven't seen it, uh, you know, Prime responded and, and talked about like, that's absolutely not true. We didn't pay nobody a million dollars to come play for our team and, um, you know, brought race into the equation, which I thought was interesting. So, uh, and then Jimbo Fisher lit a, lit one on, on Coach Saban. He came at his neck. No turtleneck, no scarf, no nothing. No, just came at him. Uh, and so that set the world on fire. You know, shots fired there. So we're going to try to process all of this. And so we'll start with some folks that actually played football. Um, and so we'll start with you, Coach Murph. Like, what do, you, what do you think about each of these three parties in the situation? Is there a right or wrong here? Is it just too much? What's going on? Literally, Nick Saban is, you know, reminding me, or it just makes me think of, you know, a, a single child that has a new sibling. So, of course, you have to give them attention, but, you know, you're being the oldest and like, oh, but I want love too. So now you want to complain about it. Like, you're, mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. At the end of the day, that's all it is. Because if one, they're not doing anything illegal. And just like how Jimbo mentioned, like, go look into his history. Like, you got people, Bama has always been loaded. And also, another person that he reminds me of is Ronda Rousey, how she was undefeated. And once she took that first L, she broke down. That's big statement. Yeah, so, so you lose, uh, you know, a recruiting battle uh, after, you know, I think, believe it's his second time or so losing, and but he won, like, 13 years or whatever. But, like, you're – everybody knows that you had to be doing something to get people to Bama because they were always loaded. They didn't go there because it's like, oh, this is the star-studded program or – you know, because they provide this, this, and that. There's nothing that you did that no other five, you know, or, you know, top five, power five schools can can provide. So he just – and then the fact that you bring an HBCU into it, it's like, okay, so now you're reaching. Because <laughs> everybody knows about funding for HBCUs is nowhere close to what Bama, what OSU – and you know other schools are bringing in mm -hmm. and but you want to go try to pick one in hbcu and then and then you don't even apologize you give a half-hearted apology like oh i shouldn't have mentioned anybody specifically <laughs> no you should have just not said anything at all because what they're doing isn't illegal if they were doing it mm -hmm. so what are we talking i bring about? it up <laughs> Yeah, like you, you bring it because you're a sore loser. That's all it is. You're a sore loser. You just don't know how to take one on and take a fair one on the chin. Like, oh, sorry that you didn't win top recruiting class. Now you have to actually coach. Coach your team. It shouldn't matter how many five, four stars you have. Like we already, we can acknowledge that there's people that are, you know, three stars that turn out to be better than five stars, but everybody wants to act like, you know, just because you didn't get a name that that depreciates the the Bama 
name like you still got the titles bring people why didn't they go to you this year like they have in the past years is that strictly because of nil or maybe you're just there's chinks in your armor I mean, that's all I got to say about it. I was about to follow up with something else, but then we don't have like a bleep in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's in that. Because I was about to say, like, you know, mind your, mind your effing business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coach Pace, what, what are your thoughts about this situation? Hey, man, listen, it's real simple. Stop pocket watching. <laughs> that is the one thing as a man you are not supposed to do is pocket watch. Why are you counting another man's tokens? <laughs> like, listen, don't be mad because the oil money is about to take over. Why Why are you hating? You pocket watching? You, you out here name dropping? You know what they say about snitches? All right? <laughs> out here snitching and all that. Like, dude, stop it. I said, man, this is doggone shame. They hate no Dion. Dion ain't bothering nobody. Trevor Hunter. <laughs> Reply was like, so if I got a meal, why is my mom still, why is they still in a three-bedroom with five kids? Like, why, 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 why? You ain't even get your facts right. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't, I can't, bro, Nick, Nick gotta go, man. You can't be pocket-watching. Like, let these players get paid because they earned it. Like, NCAA still going to make their money. You still going to be getting eight, nine million a year because you the coach. Like, let these kids make their money because – Look at Justin Ross uh, from Clemson. Yeah. Was supposed to be first round, didn't get drafted. And he could have been, you know what I'm saying, because he had a back fusion or something like that and lost out on millions. For what? Yeah. And then, you know, NIL comes. He could have been, he could have been setting his family up for three, four years ago when mm-hmm. he was the best player on Clemson's team. With mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, like name, image, and likeness. Like, bro, you gotta stop pocket watching, man. Let these folk get paid and mind your business. There it is. There it is. Simple enough. Coach Nagy T, I, I know you wanted to to talk about this some too. And, and you and I kind of spoke off off uh, off air about a, a few few things in this. So go go ahead, tell me which what's on your mind. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, I agree with you know, Coach Murph and Coach Page from a macro perspective, but I actually don't have a problem with what Nick Saban said because I don't know, have y'all, did y'all actually watch the, like, the video of what he said, like, the full-length video of what he said? Be- I, I heard what he was trying to say, but he worded it terribly. So he's basically coming at his booster saying, like, uh, y'all need to drop some more bread because uh, these kids is about to start leaving and going to, like, Texas and USC and Ohio State because they getting more, like, that oil money about to come in and, yeah, they about to run it up. So, yeah, that's what he was saying. I, I saw that's that. That's why I don't have a problem with what he said because of the context of the conversation and who he was talking to. Like, I would have had a problem with it if, say, if this was, like, media day and he just, like, unsolicited was just going off on everybody and name-dropping people, like, mm-hmm then that's different to me. But in this scenario, I felt like, or not I felt, but at least from hearing what he said, he's just explaining to the boosters in Birmingham, like, look, this is a process. And yeah, could he have probably been smarter about 
not using names because yeah. it was being recorded. So, yeah. right. He didn't have to necessarily say, oh, well, you know, Jackson State's doing this and Texas A&M is doing this. But I think the reason why he name dropped those schools is because he's like, yeah, Jackson State is dropping a million dollars. Texas A&M is dropping a million dollars. So, yeah, y'all need to fund that little whatever the, fund, whatever the pot of money y'all got. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we need to, like, up the game up a little bit. So I think, to me, in the context of what he was saying, I don't have a problem with it because, again, because of who he was talking to in that scenario. It wasn't like a – again, it wasn't like media day. It wasn't a – like a one-on-one um, interview with a reporter. And again, he's just like, oh, well, yeah, everybody's just paying everybody and blah, 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 blah. Because he actually said he doesn't have a problem with the NIL per se. Because hmm. he encourages his players to, you know, get agents and do all of that. So he's actually not against that. Um, so that was my first thought. And I thought classic from a media perspective, because if you watch like, you know, some of the shows, you know, they just pretty much just said, oh, yeah, Nick Saban said Texas A&M bought their players and then just left it at that. He's like, well, that's not that's not the full context of what was actually happening. Right. Um, now, the second part of my conversation here is Deion Sanders is getting on my nerves. <laughs> and here's why. I understand. I, I guess I understand why he keeps doing this, but it's really starting to get on my nerves. Because when he says, no, we're not paying no players. We ain't got no NIL over here. These guys want to come here. Dion, stop the BS. Stop it. Because either one, you're lying, which I think he is, or two, you're actually not paying those kids or facilitating an NIL deal for these kids. And if that's the case, you're an absolute sleazeball for not doing that. Because these kids should get paid off of their talent. Mm -hmm. And if you're telling me they're just going to this HBCU to Jackson State just because it's an HBCU, that is absolute and utter BS. Period. Mm -hmm. There's no need for you to act like, oh, we're not paying. It's legal. Yeah, it is. It's legal. So there's no need to act like you're not paying them. Yes, you're paying them. They should be paid. Period. So him keep he him saying, oh, you know, because what coach JB3, you probably have the tweet, but like he said, what do you say? Like, oh, we don't need to convince us to come play for us. Yeah, he was like, we what? don't need to uh basically pay our people. To play with their people, you know, yeah, you like people, yeah. Miss me with all that, bro. For real. Let me tell you something right now. I don't give a damn who it is. Jackson State, Freddie State, Michael Jackson State. What the money looking like, bro? Mm-hmm. For real. Especially it's legal now. Yep. I ain't come to no damn HBCU just because it's a damn HBCU. Get the f out of here with that, Dion. Seriously. So that's what I think. Either you're lying just because you're trying to save some stupid face, which to me is BS, because you always like to claim that you're different. I'm Dion. I keep it real. Obviously, you're not. Or, again, you're actually not paying these kids, 
which to me would even be worse. That would be criminal in itself. Yeah. That's criminal within itself. Mm-hmm. So that's just my thoughts about it. I know that may be kind of a crazier thought, but that's just he's been doing that lately. Because even when they got the the cornerback, the, the first kid, I saw him on ESPN like, man, we ain't got no money to play these kids. You know, I ain't paying, I ain't paying my own kids. I'm like, Deion, shut up. It's <laughs> legal. It's legal. Yeah. It's pr- there's nothing wrong with that, and those kids deserve every freaking penny. Yes. So don't tell me they ain't getting no NIL deal because they did, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Just admit to it, and not, not even admit to it. Just be like, yeah, and yeah. That, that's what that's what the game is. What you want to do? Sue me for a rule that's legal? Right. So that's that's what's getting on my nerves about Dion because he's just as much as of a little car salesman as every other coach is, but he tries to portray himself as he's not. So that's my issue. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. You you can't <laughs> you can't separate yourself from the pack if you all use the same type of resources, right? You can't you can't say you're that that you know when we talk about brands marketing themselves and differentiating themselves from their competitors that's not the angle you want to go if you're trying to differentiate yourself you know if you want to talk about the hbcu experience that you get say hey we'll take care of you just like anybody else take care of you but while you're here and you get your education these are some of the things that we could provide that some of these other schools if you had to leverage that i'd have been like okay that makes sense right but i I agree with Nick Saban. I wouldn't have name dropped if I was him. Uh, but, you know, we, we all do this. And, and so people are like, why would Nick do something like that? Nah, we all do this. For instance, I know some of you out there could relate to this. There's times where I wanted a new job in my career. And I knew that there were people in the room that could look out for me. Right. So when I'm in that room and I'm talking to people, I don't want to be like, hey, yo, can y'all please give me a job, man. Like, I, need, I, I really need this. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do, I'm going to casually bring it up in conversation. They're like, oh, you know, well, I, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm searching to see if I can, you know, get somewhere else. I like to kind of dabble in some of this. So I'm not making it super awkward. I'm not putting anybody's feet to the fire, but I'm planting the seed that I need. I would like the new job. And if you could do something about that, I'd highly appreciate that. Just by nature of our relationship. That's all Nick Saban was doing. Now, I, like I said, I wouldn't have name dropped nobody though. I, you know, I'd have just kept it to me and my, what I need for my experience that the game has changed. And this is what we need to keep up. Secondly, Jimbo, Jimbo, listen, Jimbo. What? Didn't you just get in trouble years ago for doing some stuff before this was legal, right? But you want to ride in on your high horse and talk about, you know, we doing things the right way here at Texas A&M. We ain't, we ain't doing, if you want to know what God does in the dark, you know, you're talking like, what are you, first of all, whose church did you come out of? Like, second, but second of all, like, what, what are you talking about, bro? Like, y'all all got the same type of access here. You're all doing the, participating in the same game and you're villainizing something that is legal. So that's like, you know, oh, well, you should have seen what they did in the past. That's like those who, you know, use marijuana. 
in states that is now legal. That's like me being in that state that's legal and complaining about what well, you know back in the day, so-and-so was lighting them up, right? In, 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 in 2015, they was lighting them up. It's like, bro, like, what do you, what do you talk about? Like, everybody's lighting them up now. Like, that, that's, that's legal. Everybody here is doing that. So why are you trying to have this moral compass and wait, didn't you get arrested for, for marijuana usage? Like, you know, that, that's, that's the same thing as if I'm Jimbo Fisher, this, you know, that's a, that's a scenario. That's the first scenario I thought of. I'm like, why would you do that? That just makes you look bad at the end of the day. But you tried to call out Nick Saban. And I'm like, so what is this all really all about? You're trying to make yourself look better. You're trying to draw attention away from the Alabama program. Like, what, what are you trying to do here? And then Dion, I wholeheartedly agree. Like, you know, you don't, we don't have to pay our people to play with our people. I mean, no, you don't have That's to. the hell you do. But you should. Because <laughs> everybody else is. And also, like you said, those kids deserve it. Like, if they want to sign up to go to college, you want to make sure that they're taken care of. Because everybody else is going to take care of them, So you do the best of your ability to go to do, do what you can do. And if that's enough for that kid, then great. They go ahead and, and sign a, a you know commitment to Jackson State University. But don't act like you ain't got no money flowing out of there. Like, you're Deion Sanders. You got connections all over the place. And you're leveraging those connections. You're leveraging your hard work of network of people that you've built throughout the year. As he should be. As he should be to help these kids. So why hide behind, why hide behind a moral compass of we don't have to do that? Especially because we're talking about most of the league being black men. And you're sitting here talking about, oh, well, we don't need to pay our black men to play with other black men. It's like, wouldn't you want to? Seeing what these kids go through, Dion, weren't you one of them? Right? Like, that, that, that's, uh, it, just, it just missed me. And then the, the following day, you know, Shane and Shark comes on and was like, yeah, I talked to Dion. He was like, I ain't even mad. I ain't even mad at Nick. You know, he just talking to boosters. That's not what you said yesterday, Dion. That's not what you said yesterday. So you cool with it now. Uh, oh, well, if he going to call us out in public, he need to apologize in public. I'm like, I, uh, okay, fair. I get it, whatever. But still, don't change your tone or how you feel about the situation. You know he was talking to a group full of boosters. And you still decided to go out and say what you did. So you also should be putting out a retraction, correct? Because you were wrong. So I, I think there's a lot of finger pointing. There's that Spider-Man you know, man, we got the Spider-Mans all pointing at each other. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening here. So that's all I got. That one final piece. Everybody's really talking about the NCAA. Because the whole NIL thing, there's really like, it's like the wild, wild west, like the transfer portal, all of that. That's who everybody's really like kind of mad at but they're just like yelling at each other when really they should be like going at the ncaa yes so that's to me that's the elephant in the room but mm-hmm. i think everybody's trying to be slick about how they want to call them out but as coach pace you said it he worded it wrong and i and i think that's on him but yes i just yes. think the context of the conversation to me he's saying like yeah, y'all need to line up. Y'all need to start writing more checks. And two, he's like, "Yo, NCAA, like, should there be like some sort of like 
minimum like requirement something mm-hmm. so it's not just like wow wow west straight up maybe yeah i think that's what he was saying but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it is what it is bunch of grown men playing high school games out here <laughs> each other's like come on come on man but anyways that's it for us here on the coach's box another great episode in the books hope you enjoyed it so on behalf of coach 90t coach pace and coach murph I'm Coach JP3. See y'all next week. Stay blessed. Stay safe, y'all. Peace.